anything, anything that you don't think you can do. If you're an entrepreneur, don't waste time trying to figure it out. It's going to waste time. And it's the one resource that you can never get back. And people will ask you, what's well, the most important thing in your life? And you go, well, you know, there are a lot of things, love, money, what have you. But believe me, time and the older you get, you realize this, that is the one resource you don't have enough of and it's limited. So it's going to end. So the best thing to do is to do what you can do, use the talent and skill and the knowledge that you have and everything else, if you're starting out as an entrepreneur, make sure that money is going to the things that you don't know, because you're just going to be wasting a lot of time and resources, and it won't, you won't get the return on it. It's ROI is the bottom line here. Hey, everyone. This is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur who's grown several startups into seven and eight-figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. Now, today we have another great uh, guest on the podcast, Mick Smith. And uh, Mick, uh, when he was in high school, was interested in, in history and probably came out of uh, school in the 60s and 70s or was in school. So there was certainly plenty of history or plenty of things in history going on at that period. Um, graduated right at the end of the draft, went into college, majored in history and I think minored in uh, religion, um, became a professor, or taught at school for a period of time. Um, then the Internet hit around 94, became interested in the Internet. I got into broadcasting and also was uh, putting courses online early on, which seems to still be, or education sometimes still is catching up to that, so it was way ahead of his time. I uh, did some consulting work as well, um, uh, then hit a low point in life, um, realized that he um, it was making money for other people as a consultant, but not necessarily himself, and was uh, wanted to change that a bit, so uh, decided to get into digital marketing with, marketing with the internet. Um, at the same time, also uh, was working for startups and uh, got in, or got out before the internet bubble burst and then focused on the digital marketing agency and has been doing that ever since. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Mick. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to speak to your audience and also like to help people if I can and learn from all the mistakes that I have made over the years. So I'll try to avoid those. Awesome. Well, definitely will be a great conversation and uh, looking forward to it. So with that, um, you know, I took and uh, packed your, you know, a much longer journey into the 32nd version, but let's unpack that a bit. So tell us how things got started for you in high school with the with your interest in uh, history. Yes, I was at a very contentious time in American history. Two things really dominated my generation growing up, and that's civil rights and the Vietnam War. So I was fortunate. I got the tail end of the draft, but, you know, I was wondering with what would happen to me and how my life would be very different. So I'm also very grateful to all the veterans out there, especially the vets in the Vietnam era, because that could have been me and I could not be having this conversation potentially. So if I had been drafted two of my two closest buddies in high school said we definitely would have gone. There's no question about it because I love my country. I love America and all the things that you can have as an opportunity. And I was fortunate. I lived, I put it simple as that. So trying to figure out what my place in the world is. And that's what I think really motivated my interest in history and religion, trying to figure out things first from a personal point of view. But then also just trying to figure out what was going on during that time. So my parents, beautiful people, wonderful parents and the 
best in the universe that ever had been, but they were from another generation. And the 1960s and into the 70s was very, very different from their very isolated area in the northeastern Pennsylvania. So they didn't necessarily know what was going on. I had to figure it out for myself. And that's kind of what got me on my journey, um, kind of intellectual and kind of and then eventually trying to get into academia as early part of my career. So, so, and that makes sense. So you, you're coming out and it's certainly an interesting point in time that with a lot going on. So you say, okay, uh, you know, ended up going off to college. And I said, you got the degrees um, in, in religion and, uh, and, uh, and whatnot. And as you're coming out of um, getting your religion and history degrees, you know, which makes sense, you had an interest in history, you know, what made you decide to go into professorship? Is that the typical path for a history and religious major or, or, or degrees? Or how did you get into professorship? And then where did your journey go from there? Yeah, that's uh, what people say. Well, if you're going to major in history and religion, what are you going to do with that? Right. So especially coming out of a blue collar family, as I did, my dad was a factory worker. So he was one of the people who would always chide me from time to time. When are you going to be a permanent student? So my answer to that in emphasizing in liberal arts or understanding those kinds of things. You're articulate, you can read, you can write, you can do those kinds of things. So when people ask me, what are you going to do with those degrees? And my answer was short and sweet, anything I want. So I think I turned that into an advantage. And again, knowing something about the world, the context, the background, history and religion are helpful because it really gives you an in-depth view of things. And if you can understand the past, that gives you insight into the future. And I was thinking in terms of career, this is something which has really helped me. I have the advantage of being able to look into the future a bit because you see patterns, because you things that have repeated, things have happened before, and you can get a better idea and able to predict things are going to happen in the future as well. So it's really turned out to be an advantage. And I got to be honest, I've done everything that I've ever wanted to do in my life. So I'm pretty fortunate in that regard. Hey, if you can accomplish everything you want to in life, there, there's no better place to be. So now you did that. And how long did you go into the educational and do academics? Yeah, I did that early part of my career. And that was the goal to answer your question, because there really isn't a whole lot other than what you can do with those degrees, at least initially, and just teach. So teaching and researching and what have you. So you had mentioned in the introduction, so about 1994, which again, really early, kind of like uh, the, when the dinosaurs roamed the earth and internet speak. I said, yeah, there's something really significant going on here. And I'd want to be a part of that. So I started doing some consulting work at that time. And I realized that after a while, really being able to consult was very rewarding as well, too. So I got into, say, the digital marketing era and sort of understanding how the internet was evolving at that time. But early on, it helped students. And that was the bottom line, because That's what, they're pressed one- for time. One question I had on that, because I mean, you, sure. got, you started to get into the internet and show interest in that. Was that you were still doing a professorship and teaching or did you say, hey, this is too good of an opportunity. You're going to put academia aside and get into the world of the internet and find a career there. Or kind of how did you make that transition as the internet came around? Yeah, the thing is odd, because when I first started doing this, I worked with a graphic designer, a computer science person, the content experts, and there was a number of us. But I noticed like after about nine months, and I definitely don't have a computer science background, but I'm like, well, I almost know everything that this guy does. And he's a professor. So I thought, well, in another field, well, if he can do it, and I've learned it. 
I must have some skills there. And then you find consulting work and they said, you know, it's lucrative. So you realize, well, there is a financial advantage in this as well, too, because other people are getting into it and getting into the fact that you could offer distance learning courses. So that's what I did. So it see it kind of like was a, a transition that was easier than you might think, because I would say I don't have I'm, I know enough about the technology to be dangerous, but I'm certainly not as sharp and good as programmers and other people. But realizing that other companies and other organizations also are, are interested in the Internet and it was a growing field. So I think that was the attraction, the movement, the idea that this is growing and there's perhaps I had some talent and skill in that area as well. That makes sense. So and partially answer my question. Now I'll follow up with just the rest of it, which is, um, you know, so did you, as you're figuring that out, you're saying, okay, hey, I'm not, I don't have a degree in this, but most other people don't either. We're all figuring it out yeah. together. And I know as much or as more as the next guy type of a thing. Did you say, okay, I'm going to put, you know, and you originally started kind of incorporating that in the classroom, doing online classes and that. Now, how did you, how or when did you decide to make the transition to doing it more full time or as an endeavor or doing consulting or going and working for others on it or kind of what was that uh, that part of the journey? Yeah, it was, that's a good question. So I was in the Philadelphia area, which is not known for its technology, although that was actually where ENIAC was. That's in World War II when they were trying to figure out how to shoot artillery accurately. The ENIAC was one of those early computing applications, and it did come from the University of Pennsylvania. So there is and was a computer industry in that area. But actually, I got an opportunity at a startup and I thought, well, OK, again, pretty strange transition to answer your question. Like, well, how does a liberal arts professor end up at an Internet startup? Well, it was an interesting experience. I walked into this room and I'd never seen anything like it. There was a secretary at the front. They open up the doors and all I see is about 50 or 60 computers and people sitting at desks. And they were like the picnic table type desk. No offices, no separation of it. This is a very bizarre work environment. But what it means that, of course, it wasn't totally internet-based business. So again, something new, something fresh. And I think that's where the intellectual attraction came. And then, you know, there is a certain amount of money involved in it as well, too. So it turned out to be lucrative. So it was an opportunity. And, you know, occasionally opportunities, they come your way and you open the door and you walk in and that's basically what happened. And then to kind of cap that story, again, this ability to sort of look to see what was happening. I got out just before the dot-com bubble burst because again, I could see, well, this is not sustainable because the founders would get something like they'd run out to the Silicon Valley, get $11 million and they say we're successful. But I'm asking some basic questions like, well, hold on a minute. You know, you guys are not profitable. You know, you're raising money but this may not be a business which is going to actually be successful. So it's also time to get out as well. No, and I think that makes sense. And, you know, some people that were, you know, there, and that, that still goes on a bit today. You will, you'll see companies that will be living off yep. investor dollars for a long period of time. And you're saying sometime they either have to get profitable or have a path to profitability, or they're going to go under. You can't live off of that for forever now. There are a few exceptions that have been living off at a very long time, but at some point they still have to do it as well. And so you say, okay, have the sure. a bit of the, the foresight, see that that's coming and that it's not a sustainable model. Let's get out before the bubble bursts, which it certainly did. So what did you, or how did you get out or where did you go as you were getting out or trying to figure out what is the next step if it's not working in a company that's living off investor dollars for the foreseeable future? Where'd you go from there? Yeah, it's uh, kind of interesting because, you know, the, the 
path to success does not take a straight line. There's no question about it because I still had to do some soul searching at that time. And well, where am I going? So at roughly the same time, the American Association for History and Computing was just getting started. So I go, okay, well, got part of the academic background, got part of the internet background, let's go in this direction. So I did start seeing that in academia, they also were getting on board and knowing the fact that the internet was going to change things in terms of marketing and in terms of their recruitment and in terms of driving people who are going to attend a university or college. So again, sort of a transition there. And it was also unfortunately, kind of a low point in my life. So everybody's been there at one time or another. So everything was not going as planned. My wife was unfortunately terminally ill. She passed away. So it was also a time where I realized I'm a full-time dad, not necessarily by choice, but I raised my daughter from the time that she was eight years old on. So now I got another problem. Uh, a lot of bills, legal bills, financial bills, medical bills, and an eight-year-old daughter to raise by myself. And at the time, I had all of $5.20 in my pocket. And when I say I had no money, I had no money. So my car had also broken down at that point. So low point, everybody can relate one time or another, doesn't necessarily be the same details, but had to do some soul searching. I said, you know, I've got to be able to make a living and also being able to raise a daughter at the same time as a full-time single father. So looked at consulting work because it does have the advantage of being both lucrative and then available in terms of time because you've got to be able to juggle the home responsibilities with the work responsibilities. So did that, started to see also, again, it's a soul searching moment. I'm making money for other people, but hey, wouldn't it be great if I was making money for myself and support my family and my household and what I need to do? So I think it was very fortunate because, you know, I looked upstairs and there's the big man upstairs who's got a plan for my life. And I said, well, yep, thanks to God, because you're giving me a little bit of direction when I really, really need it. So relying on God was really helpful at that point. And I think then being able to help other people because I could see the kinds of things and mistakes they had made, having been in the Internet game and marketing now for some years starting to see that they also were realizing that the internet is a way to go. And so, you know, you can see where we get into social media and how the internet has evolved. And it's a continually interesting field because it is very dynamic and that appeals to the intellectual side of my nature. One, and I think that's definitely a, a, an interesting journey and path that you took. And one kind of maybe follow-up question to that, which is, so, you know, you get consulting and say, okay, got knocked down a lot or certainly uh, grieving from the, the passing of your wife, having to figure out how to pay for all the bills, how to take care of a, a kid as a single father now, yeah. plenty on your plate. And so he's saying consulting is a good path that I can go about, be able to you know earn that greater income, have a better path, maybe have a bit more of the flexibility and otherwise go down that route. And now as you're doing consulting, what, you know, and it makes sense also, you know, I think a lot of people initially get into consulting wanting to find out, hey, I think I can do this as well or better as the people I'm helping consulting. And yet they're the ones that are, I'm helping to make a lot more money than I'm making or doing the consulting. And so you're saying, I'll do that on the side. But, you know, that's a lot of times it's an easier transition. It's kind of like, you know, the employee that is looking in and saying, I can always do it better than my boss. And I can always do, you know, do things better. And then you get into the, the boss seat or they kind of go and do it. And they say, Oh, there's a lot more to this. I have to, you know, run payroll. I have to do marketing. I have to do sales. I have to manage other people, do HR and all those other things. Some people thrive and love it. And other people are saying, this is a lot different than what I envisioned. 
as you're kind of figuring all that out, how did you figure out what you were going to, you know, what it was that thing was going to be that now you're no longer going to be a consultant, you're going to do your own business. How did you kind of arrive at what that would look like? Yeah, I think, you know, there's a, a strong case to be made about things that you like and you don't like, but any position that you have is going to have a job aspect to it. In other words, there's things that you enjoy doing, and then there's the job part of it, but it doesn't matter whether you're working for yourself or you're working for somebody else. So I said, look, if you're an entrepreneur, which is what I always tell anybody who wants to start a business or is in a business, if you're an entrepreneur, you're the guy who unlocks the office door in the morning, and you're also the guy who takes out the trash. So you got to keep that in mind. It does mean that there's everything that you do need. You're the one who's going to be making all those decisions. So I, again, something I learned from the internet, outsource the things that you are not strong in, but able to keep the skills and the talents that you have and everything else is cheaper to outsource. So for example, I'm not really an accountant. I don't really know the financial part as well as other people. So again, I outsource that. It takes time away from my job. And when I'm applying with this to other companies, I'm saying to the same thing to them. Look, if you're running and you're selling widgets, let's say, right, whatever it might be, you're not going to be an expert in social media and you're not going to be an expert in having a website. So that's where I come in. I said, all right, well, I will strategize with you. But if you're going to try to figure out Google ads, believe me, it's going to take you a lot longer and you're going to waste a whole lot of money outsource that stuff, run your business. And I think I can apply the same thing to my own life and my own journey as an entrepreneur. I'm going to do the things that I can do, and I'm going to take somebody else's talents and pay them for it. So again, it kind of transitions into when I didn't mention when I was back in college many, many, many moons ago, I also started out in radio. So I've always had a love of the audio medium. So that's why I too, like you, I've got a podcast, a doctor of digital podcast. I said, well, I've got a skill, you know, I've got something I can do. And it's also something that other people can do. When I talk to business owners, I go, number one, do you have a voice? They say, yes. Number two, do you have a business that you are somewhat of an expert in? They say, yes. All right. Well, you know, think about podcasting. You know, if you're an expert in something and you know a field, then tell the world. And that's your journey. And that's your passion because there's people that run businesses that know far more about things than I do. And I'm always trying to pick other people's brain because they know a field that I don't, and I respect them for that. They need to tell the rest of the world. No, I think that's a, that's a great outlook and a great way to continue to gain knowledge and experience and make the business successful. So, so now you do that you say, okay, I'm, I'm making that transition. I am going to go from consulting to building my own business. And you've now, I think been doing it for 15, 20 years, something like that. Yes. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now you're doing that 15, 20 years, I'm sure you have your ups and your downs and your, your bumps and things that you learn. But as you're figuring that out, now you've been doing that for 15, 20 years, where is, you know, if you're to look now kind of in the next six to 12 months, where do you see the business going? Is it just kind of keeping it even killed, like continuing to grow? Is it evolving it to different areas or kind of where do you see things headed? You know, there's a great line by Bob Dylan because at the Dr. Digital podcast, the subtitle is marketing tips with a musical twist. So I do love music. And there's a line from Bob Dylan. He says, he who isn't busy being born is busy dying. It's a great quote. So I'm one of those people who say to themselves, despite the age and the look on my face, I'm like, I'm still wondering what I can do when I grow up. 
because I think the point that Dylan is addressing is the fact that you always have to reinvent yourself. And those of us who are living in these tumultuous times, look, change is constant. And it's something that ancient philosophers would talk about. You know, you can't put your foot in the, the stream at the same point because everything is changing. Therefore, you have to adapt. And I think when I said things having to do with digital marketing or the internet, because it's such a dynamic area, it appeals to a person like myself who understands that dynamism is really the nature of the world. Things change very quickly. And a lot of us have experienced a very different lifestyle in the last two years for obvious reasons than they did previously. Well, what did you expect? Did you expect the world to be stable? It's not. Things are going to be changing. So knowing and really getting yourself centered on what is real and true and what have you that you have in terms of your skills and the journeys that you are on and the journey that you can, the path that you can follow. I'd come back to saying, you know, look, I can't figure it out. And this is where I say I rely on the big man upstairs because a lot of these things, I don't have an answer and I'm not sure, but I do know that following the true path and following a path that God has outlined for my life is going to, continue. And that's what I've happened because I have enough experiences in my life. Social media is changing drastically. If you think about drill down, you talk about Facebook, you talk about Instagram, TikTok, what have you. These things are not standing still. They are constantly evolving and changing. And that's what makes it an exciting field. And that also means that somebody needs to consult with a person like myself or someone else to, who stays on top of this on a daily basis. No, and I think that, that, that that's there's certainly a lot of truth there and a lot a lot of points hit on. So that's uh, definitely a, a, a great uh, great opportunities to, to to in the future for those that are continuing to to get busy living instead of get busy dying. So I think that that's that's a great takeaway. So now as we you know as we arrived at a bit of where you're at on your journey today or where you're at the present, always a great time to transition to the two questions I always have at the end of each uh, podcast. So we'll hit on those mm -hmm. now. Okay. So the first question I always ask is along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? Yeah, I think that's an excellent question. So I appreciate that. And here's what I would say. The worst business decision that I ever made is consistently almost the same thing. And I can't center on one thing, but I would tell you this. The worst decision that you make is to do nothing. And there are times when I got stymied. There are things and times where I didn't know what to do and I sat on it. And I go, that's a mistake because you need to constantly be moving and constantly be looking and whatever you think you ought to be doing, it's probably something that you know in your heart and it's probably something that you think you should be doing. Well, don't wait. It's the worst business decision that you can make is to not do anything and to be stagnant. And I think you got to move. So that's always the worst thing. Every time I've, I've been stymied, every time I delayed, it was a mistake. I lost opportunities. And I would say, encourage everybody else to do something. If you feel you should do something in your heart and it's in your gut, you should go for it and don't wait. Awesome. Well, I think that that's uh, definitely, you know, I, I think that sometimes, you know, the not doing anything can be more, you know, bigger mistake or be more impactful is to you miss out on opportunities or you don't take advantage of things that you could have. And it could be for a myriad of reasons, whether it's, you know, fear, whether it's complacency, whether yes. it's, you know, risk aversion or other things. And so I think that uh, when you sometimes become that complacent, it can have that negative impact that you're hitting on. So I think that definitely is a, a great, uh, an easy mistake to learn or to make, but a great one to learn from. With that, the second question I always ask is yep. talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what'd be the one piece of advice you'd give them? 
Yeah, I think um, it kind of goes back to what I was saying. Anything that you don't think you can do, if you're an entrepreneur, don't waste time trying to figure it out. It's going to waste time. And it's the one resource that you can never get back. And people will ask you, what's the most important thing in your life? And you go, well, you know, there are a lot of things, love, money, what have you. But believe me, time and the older you get, you realize this. That is the one resource you don't have enough of, and it's limited. So it's going to end. So the best thing to do is to do what you can do, use the talent and skill and the knowledge that you have and everything else. If you're starting out as an entrepreneur, make sure that money is going to the things that you don't know, because you're just going to be wasting a lot of time and resources and it won't, you won't get the return on it. It's ROI is the bottom line here. No, and I think that there's a, there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, I think that, you know, which is, or, or there's a bit of ironic because I think that as you're doing a startup or a small business, people, that's where they focus all of their time and efforts. And I am a, a big believer that that's not the only part of life. No, I love it. I'm a big startup guy. There's a lot of fun to it. And I, I definitely wouldn't uh, change it. On the other hand, if I were to then focus all of my time and effort just on the startup, on the small businesses at the expense of my family, religion, and even just, uh, you know, personal satisfaction, hobbies and enjoyment, I would never have that balance. And and, and so I think that looking at where you're going to invest your time and where you're going to get the greatest return, whether that's business money, you know, or giving back, serving others, or, you know, having a family or whatnot is definitely a great takeaway. Because I think that looking at your time as your biggest investment is is a great uh, way to, to look at it. With that, if people want to reach out to you, you know, if they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you or find out more? Yes, well, I try to be as visible and audio available as possible. I have a doctor of digital podcast, but you can also get a hold of me at Mick, like Jagger, except he's got a lot more money, Mick dot smith at wsiworld.com we simplify the internet mick dot smith at wsiworld.com or you can call me direct 619-389-3636 619-389-3636 all right well i definitely encourage people to reach out connect and uh, take advantage of a lot of experience and a lot of opportunities and the, the great services you guys offer so Well, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners, you have your own journey to tell. You'd like to be a guest on the podcast. We always love to have our great people with great journeys on the podcast. So feel free to go to inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the show. A couple more things as listeners. Make sure to click subscribe, share, leave us a review because we want to make sure that everyone finds out about all these awesome episodes. And last but not least, if you ever need help with your patents, your trademarks, or anything else in your business, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. Well, thank you again, Mick, for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Let's hope so. And if you need intellectual property help, say it's the guy, a lot of us are not expert, get a good attorney. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. Thanks, Mick. <laughs> Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Be well. <laughs>